And then there's Bobby Mitchell. <laughs> Come on, brother. Brunswick, Maine, Mid-Coast Baptist Church. Good to have you, brother. Thank you, preacher. Appreciate that. Let's take the scriptures to the book of Psalms, if you would. The 60th, 61st Psalm. Psalm 61. I appreciate these pastors, preachers that have fed my soul, been a blessing to my wife and my daughters and me. I thank the Lord for that. Psalm 61, to the chief musician upon Neganah, a psalm of David. The title itself is inspired. This is a psalm that the Lord, by his great Holy Spirit, gave to David to deliver to the chief musician for the Lord's choir and the Lord's congregation. And it is for us, because we're instructed plainly to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we are to look in the psalms and we're to take these and we're to read these and learn these and meditate on these and speak them to one another and we could even think of Paul's admonition in 1 Thessalonians, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. To the chief musician for the Lord's choir and congregation. And then it says, upon Neganah, and that's simply a stringed instrument. It's a Martin guitar. <laughs> but it is a stringed instrument, we know that. And then it is a psalm, or a song, we could say, a psalm. Of David. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that Jesus was moved by the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that I'm not given inspired scripture to write, but I'm thankful I'm moved by the Holy Ghost. If you're saved, He lives in you, and He'll move you along. That's what He wants. He wants absolute control. That's right. Absolute control. I, I think that we live in the uh, best dispensation yet, the best age yet. If you were in the Old Testament era, you could go to Psalm 1 and you could say, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be planted like a tree by the rivers of waters. And in the Old Testament era, you could say, I will take the cup of salvation. And you could say, my cup runneth over. But in the New Testament era, we get the well on the inside and rivers of water flowing out. I think we're in the best dispensation yet, don't you? Praise the Lord. Rivers of living water flowing out from the inner man. And Charles Spurgeon said, no pumping required. Just flowing, praise God. David gives us from the Holy Ghost this inspired psalm. Are you ready to hear it? In the book of Revelation it says, Blessed is he that readeth, and blessed is he that heareth. There's a blessing in the public reading of the word of God. And in the public hearing of the word of God. So let's get a blessing right now. I heard a preacher say, if you listen real close, you'll get a blessing. I say just listen to the Bible being read, I guarantee you you'll get a blessing. 
Praise the Lord. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Now, I've often seen this. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. But that's not what it says. We ought to pay attention to punctuation. If we believe every word matters, then we ought to pay attention to every word. And we ought to make sure we say it right. Amen. You can mess up the Bible even as you quote it verbatim. Like you could say, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. <laughs> well, that's what it says. I just said it verbatim. But I changed the meaning when I said it. Yeah. You've got to be careful about that. The Bible says, give attendance to reading. It's talking about reading the word of God. This verse, David said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. And then he prays, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. See law. Take a moment and tune up your instrument. Make sure you're in tune with God. Make sure you're in tune with those you ought to be in tune with. And think for a moment. Consider the psalm that we're reading and the psalm we're singing. Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may, and everybody say that word with me, daily, daily perform my vows. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for what your Holy Spirit showed me in the secret place, what you taught me, and I thank you that you've let me learn in this psalm and get in your word and drink it in. I thank you for how you've enlightened my eyes and answered to my prayer. And now I ask you in Jesus' name that by the Holy Ghost of God, you'd help me to get out what you've put in. And what, you'd let me, what you've let me soak in, that you'd let me now have it flow out, that you'd be glorified and your people would be strengthened. And we'd have everything that you have for us tonight. Lord, I believe that just as Jesus preached and could say this day is this scripture fulfilled, I can say this day, this scripture for our ears. Lord, we want that. Be glorified. Defeat the devil, we pray. Let the word of the Lord have free course and be glorified. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I see on verse 1 David's cry, and you see his cry also in verse 2 and in verse 7. And I see David's crisis also in the psalm, and then David's confidence and David's commitment. And let's look at those for a few minutes. David's cry, he said, hear my cry, O God. Amen. I'm thankful that, uh, that you can pray, and I'm thankful my parents can pray, and I'm thankful I have a praying wife. I'm thankful for a praying church. But I'm thankful I can say, hear my cry. Hear my prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. Amen? He's my shepherd and he hears me. The Lord hear my cry. Attend, give attention, Lord. Now this is the great God who's so far up that he's got to stoop down to look at the stars and he's got to come all the way down to the dunghill to pick you and me up. But he gives attention to us. That's amazing. And then he says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Now, David was uh, not, you know, over in some Timbuktu or something. When you, when you understand what's going on, he's away from the house of God. And David loved the house of God so much, brother, that when he was away from God, he felt, away from the house of God, he felt like he was at the end of the earth. Now, if you remember about a year ago feeling that way a little bit? And if you remember going into your church building... And after, you know, they said 15 days to slow the spread, and we said, well, okay, you know, I mean, if a snowstorm comes, you know, we have enough sense to, to, to stay home and all, and it looks like a big storm has come, and we don't understand it, but all these experts are telling us, just give us 15 days. You remember going into your church and walking around saying, oh, God, it's not the same. Amen. There's the chairs, and there's the hymn books, and there's the pulpit, but the people of God have not been together Thursday and Sunday and Thursday, and now it's Sunday. Oh, Lord, I'm away from the house of God, and they're telling us we got to stay away from each other. And they're telling us if we get within six feet, eight feet, ten feet, two feet, that we'll somehow get each other sick. And if we love each other, we won't touch each other. And if we love each other, we'll stay away from each other. And if you remember, remember that? And saying, oh, God, if we could get back together. And then, I don't, know, I don't know when it was for you. For me, it was the night before Resurrection Sunday. I'm in line at Walmart with 100 people going, now, wait just a minute. <laughs> I called the chief of police, and I said, I'm going to have church at Walmart's parking lot. I said, it's either there, or we're going to meet in our parking lot. And we're going to get out of our cars, and we're going to worship God. He said, oh, oh pastor, you don't need to go to Walmart's parking lot. Don't do that. I said, we're going to have it at our, at our parking lot then. Now, I'm not comparing me to you or you to me. Everybody lives in different places. It's different everywhere. But I remember going through that. And I remember when we finally all got together in the parking lot, and we sang, and we cried, and we preached. And then I remember the 1st of June when we just said, we're going back in the building. And, and again, I'm not even going to tell you what we did, because I don't want to act like I'm better than you or, I, you know, or you think he doesn't care about people, he doesn't care if everybody dies, and all that stuff. So we're not going to get into that, Amen. <laughs> We're just going to all love each other and hold hands and sing kumbaya, okay? But I will just say we did it right, okay? <laughs> and I remember we got in there that first Sunday. I mean, wow. And it wasn't the walls. It wasn't the lights. It wasn't the piano. It was we were back together as the house of God. When David was crying to God, he was saying, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Because when David couldn't be at the tabernacle, the house of God, he might as well have been at the ends of the earth. Say, so why was he not there? He was in an awful situation, a time of great sorrow and shame, a time of suffering and horrible separation as his own flesh and blood had risen up against him taken his kingdom, taken his wives. It's like Absalom was lit on fire of the fury of a thousand demons and wanted to do everything possible to fame and defame and shame his dad. But David still had his God. And he said, I'll cry. And so he cried. And he cried his prayer, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Sometimes we have to have enough sense to know that we don't know which way to go. Or we know where to go, but we don't know how to get there. And we're overwhelmed. You ever been overwhelmed? 
When you got baptized, if you got scriptural baptized, you were, you were overwhelmed in water, weren't you? You ever been overwhelmed in some awful situation? You ever been overwhelmed in some awful mess, some awful crisis, and you had to say, lead me to the rock that is higher than I? And I'm glad God knows the way through the wilderness. And then he prayed, oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So he said, hear my cry. And he said, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Oh, I need mercy and truth. Thank God for mercy and truth. Abraham's servant said, blessed be the God of Abraham, which hath not left his servant destitute of his mercy and truth. Thank God for mercy and truth. David's crisis, he said, I'm at the end of the earth. To him to be exiled from God's house was just to be in the middle of nowhere. He said, my heart is overwhelmed. So he cried out in his crisis. And then we see David's confidence. In verse 1, he cries out to God. His confidence is in God. In verse 2, he calls God the rock that is higher than I. He's confident in God. Thou hast been a shelter, in verse 3, a strong tower. He speaks of the covert of thy wings, in verse 4. In verse 5, he has this confidence that God hears him. It's, you know, it's honestly, it's just blasphemy when we pray like God doesn't even hear us. It's faithless. When the disciples said to Jesus, carest thou not that we perished? I mean, in a way, can you blame them? They're, you know, they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. The ship is full of water. I think the ship in the water is how it's supposed to be. Water in the ship, not a good situation. <laughs> Master, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus delivered them, and then he said to them, oh, he said, oh, faithless and fearful. He said, fearful and unbelieving. Did you ever notice that? That's rough stuff. You know, the book of Revelation says the fearful and unbelieving are going to the lake of fire. He said, you are fearful and unbelieving. To men who were saved, to men who were preaching, Two men who walked away from everything to serve Jesus, and they went through a moment when they are fearful and unbelieving. He said, you're fearful and unbelieving. That's like saying, you guys are acting like people that are on the way to the lake of fire. That had to hurt. That had to really hit hard. We've got to have confidence in God. We've got to believe He hears us, and He answers prayer. Amen. David said, thou hast heard. He said, thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, Lord, you've let me be in the family of God. You've let me be in the heritage of those that fear thy name. Uh, I'm in with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm in with the people of God. Hallelujah. I might be away from the tabernacle, but I'm still in the family of God. I might be in exile. I might be in a place of shame and suffering, but I'm still with God and I'm still with the people of God. Hallelujah. You can't take my name out of the book of life. Praise the Lord. And then he said in verse 6, Thou wilt prolong the king's life. And then he said, He shall abide, so will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may, what's the word? Daily. Everybody say daily with me. Daily perform my vows. And then you see David's commitment. He said in verse 2, Will I cry? Verse 4, I will abide. Sometimes we miss these little words, like the little word will. That speaks of volition. That means I am doing this. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not just going to just write a song about it. I'm not going to you know, just think about it and just pray about it. Well, I'll pray about that, preacher. 
You ever get a little tired of hearing that? Some things we don't need to pray about, we just need to obey about. Amen? I'm going to pray about that. Okay, God said to do it. I mean, what is there to... We could pray, Lord, give me strength as I do this. Lord, give me wisdom as I do it. But David said, I will. Don't miss the word will. There, uh, somebody generations ago wrote a book, The I Wills of David. I've never read it, but I want to find that book somewhere. If you, it's an old, old book. If you find it, let me know. Will I cry? I will abide, verse 4. I'll tell you something unfortunate that went, went down decades ago. People began to make that word abide mean having a deeper life. That's not what it means. When Jesus talked about abide, it's very simple. It's continue, remain. You stay put. It's not about a deeper life. Now, hey, I'm, I'm, I believe in going as deep as the Bible. Amen? But abide means you stay with the Lord. God's people stay with Him. We don't quit. Because there's a power that worketh in us that won't let us quit. God's people are overcomers. God's people are overcomers. If we say, well, you know, Aunt Mabel got saved 50 years ago, but unfortunately she just didn't overcome and she never really did follow Jesus and all. According to the Bible, Aunt Mabel didn't get saved. Because God's people are overcomers. The Holy Ghost comes in and you overcome. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. It doesn't say might perform it for some of you. Every believer will bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100. There will be some. A fruitless professor is only a professor. When David said, I'll abide, I'll persevere, I'll keep on coming, I'll keep on going, he's saying, I, I, I'm really with God. God's really worked in my heart. Save people continue. If Baptist folk aren't clear on that, then we've stopped being Baptist folk. Save people continue. Save people abide. Jesus said, so shall ye be my disciples. He said, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. The faith that fizzles before the finish was faulty from the first, somebody said. That's Bible doctrine. God doesn't lose any of his seed. His seed remaineth in him. We better settle that. We better know that. We can't have any of this easy believism garbage. It's garbage. Just bow your head, repeat after me, and go on. They profess that they know him, but in works they deny him, being abominable and unfruitful, and unto every good work reprobate. We don't need that in our Baptist churches. We want a saved church membership because the Lord demands a saved church membership. It's a shame that they changed this idea of abide to a deeper life when it has to do with, I'm going to stay with God. And by the way, when you stay with God, you stay with the people of God. They went out from us because they were not of us. These be they that, are, that separate themselves from the Lord's true church is sensual. Here's the problem, having not the Spirit. If any, man have the, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is what? None of his. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, he stays in, he's permanent, and he will see you through. Now you may go through awful, miserable times of defeat and forgetfulness and awful errors and pitfalls. But our great God will not leave us there because he looks after his own. And his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. And he gives eternal life. I believe in the security. And I believe in the perseverance. I'm not talking about Calvinism. I'm talking about the Bible says God's people keep on going because there's a power that worketh in us that overcomes the world, the flesh, and the devil. Hallelujah. Praise God. David said, I will abide. David didn't feel like abiding. He's out in the wilderness. His son's taking his kingdom, taking his wife, shaming and embarrassing him. But he said, I'm going to abide with you. I will. And then he said, I will sing praise 
And then this is our message tonight. This is what the Lord showed me. And I just believe I had to show you what the Lord showed me. I honestly don't know any other way to do it. Amen. Study the Word of God, preach the Scriptures, and say, here's what the Lord showed me in the Bible. And I, I believe that uh, if I please God, then all the other God-pleasers will be pleased. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm just kind of simple, but that makes sense to me. If I please God, then anyone else that's a God-pleaser will say, well, yippee. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Here's what the Lord showed me. All because of who God is and what God does. David says, I will cry, I will abide, I will sing praise, I may daily perform my vows. Here's what the Lord got on me about Monday morning. Verse 8. So will I sing praise unto thy name. What's it say? Forever. forever. We Baptist folk, we like the idea of forever. I'm saved forever. I heard a preacher say, I could swing out over hell on a wet noodle, sticking my tongue out and holler and boo at the devil. That's what he said. I grew up here on one West Virginia preacher. He said, I'm so saved, I could walk on rotten planks over hell. Wouldn't matter. I believe in eternal security. That's Bible. I believe in forever and ever. Hallelujah. I'm saved forever. I mean, I'm saved forever by the grace of God. You know, because I'm in Christ, and Christ is alive forever. And since I'm in Him, I'm, I'm alive forever. I'm with Him. Praise the Lord. We get excited about forever, but somehow we got to take forever and get it down to daily. we got to take all this forever, and we've got to bring it down to daily. If you look in the psalm, David talks about forever in verse 8, and he talks about life in verse 6, and he talks about years in verse 6, and in verse 8 he says, daily perform my vows. And I think that's where we get into trouble often. Another favorite psalm of mine, and I'm not going to turn there and preach it, but Psalm 90, where you see Moses write about all generations, everlasting to everlasting, a thousand years, 80 years, 70 years, Morning, evening, a watch in the night. And then he says, so say it with me if you know it. So teach us to number our what? Days that we may apply our hearts, because out of the heart are all the issues of life, that we may apply our hearts unto what? So see, we can get all excited, and we can talk about this grand and glorious generations, thousand years, 80 years, 70 years, but a life comes down to days. I don't want to waste my life. And I'm going to waste my life if I just waste one day here and another day here and another day there and pretty soon I've got a pile of wasted lives and I've got a wasted life. And I figure if I'm going to live my life for Jesus, there's no other way to do it than one day at a time. One day at a time. Oh, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. How about tonight? We live the night for Jesus. How about tomorrow morning? We live tomorrow morning for Jesus. We get these big, grandiose ideas about, oh, I'm a, I want this to be on my tombstone. How about we just live towards that, one day at a time? I know one old preacher, I forget who he was, he said, define your life backwards and live your life forward. He said, define it backwards. Like, you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Well, be the good and faithful servant today. And live toward that. Isn't that, uh, that's pretty deep thought. I wish I'd have had that thought. Define your life backward and live your life Forward. So teach us to number our days. Now that's a prayer. Teach us. Lord, I'm saying to you, please teach me and teach my family and teach our church. Please teach us to number our days. Now this is not me saying, 
Lord, make me number my days. It's, Lord, please teach me to do the actual work of realizing I've only got so many days. And I don't know how many days. But I know this, they're few. And the big, and the big picture, they're very few. They're very few. This will blow your mind. But I turned 47 the other day. Okay, mind blown. And I just get back together. Because you thought I was like 25, right? Forty-seven? That's some of you are going. Now shut up, brother Bobby. Forty-seven is nothing. You're not even halfway to. I understand that, but for me, it's the oldest I've ever been. Thank you. I mean, just do the math on that. You know, it's just math, brother. Right? Don't get mad at it. It's just math. It's the oldest I've ever been. Uh, I remember preaching the first time I ever preached. Lord, help me to stay in the time limit. About three minutes later, that's all she wrote, folks. <laughs> you remember those days? Where did it go? How is it that, uh, that Dana and I have been married almost 24 years? I, I don't know how that's been possible. How is it we've been in Brunswick, Maine, 24 years? Time flies, doesn't it? Time really does fly. Lord, teach me. Lord, I need you to teach me that I may number my days, and here's the purpose, that I may apply my heart unto wisdom. It's going to take application. It's going to take me being involved in this and doing the work of applying my heart to wisdom. And a great part of that is this book, Through Desire, a Man Having Separated Himself. Amen. I'm looking at you, young men down here. I think some of you want to preach. If you're going to seek an intermeddle with all wisdom, you're going to have to learn to separate yourselves. I know you're a pastor, so I'm probably already preaching to the choir. But you don't need video games. You don't need them. You don't. Amen. There's things you're going to see that God, if you're going to preach, God's going to say to you, it's not necessarily a sin for everybody, but you need to drop it. Because you don't have enough time to seek an intermeddle with all wisdom if you don't separate yourself. There's just some things you're going to grow to not care about because you're going to decide, I don't care about that anymore. There's things I used to care about, Brother McCandless, and it might be okay for you to care about them, but I can't care about them anymore because God wants me to seek an intermeddle with this. And I want to tell you, it's so good to seek an intermeddle with this. Some of those times when I wanted to do that, God said, no, do this. And I really didn't feel like doing this. And God let me get in this book and see things, brother. He let me bring out things old and new, treasures old and new. And I get to go in the pulpit and say, let me show you what God showed me. There is nothing like that in all the world, Brother Fryman. Isn't that right? Praise the Lord. God, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom because we don't want to waste our lives and life is made up of days. So somehow we've got to get to, like David and like Moses, we've got to get these great and grand sweeping ideas about eternity and about lifetime and generations, and we've got to bring it down to today. Lord, I'm making some commitments that I will do and I'll fulfill every day. David made commitments. I will, I will, I will. By the grace of God. By the grace of God, unless God stops me, unless I am mentally or physically challenged in some way where I can't do it, I will 
pray like this every day. I will spend some time in the Word of God. By the grace of God, unless God stops me providentially in His sovereign will, if He keeps me from it, then I can't do it. But, but unless that, this is what I'll do. Now, I know a young man. He first showed up at our church, and he was a rock and roller, and he, he was just a mess in every way. And he came to our church, and he listened, and he said, these people are crazy. He said, I mean, I, I could just tell you a lot of fun things, but I won't waste time on that. But God saved him. And God put in him a desire for the word of God. And God then saved a young lady. And God let Chris and Angela Teal get married. And it wasn't long that Chris Teal said, you know, he said, I've got to make some vows. Now, be careful with vows. The Bible says be careful with vows, but it doesn't say don't make vows. It says be careful with vows. And it says if you're a child, you ought to talk with your dad if you're making a vow. And if you're a wife or a daughter especially, you ought to be talking with the man that's the head in your life. Amen? Amen. That's what it teaches. But Brother Teal said, I'm making a vow. He made a vow at about 1920. He said, I'll read 10 chapters of the Bible every day. I honestly don't know how he's done it. He's done it. He is filled up with the Word of God. An old preacher told me the Bible's full of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. He said, if you get filled with the Bible, you'll get filled with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Isn't that true? Amen. You know Brother Chris Teal out in Nevada, he went to one of the worst places on earth, and God's using him and his wife and that, that group to raise up a church to the glory of God. I think a lot of that goes back to a 20-year-old saying, I'm going to separate myself to seek an intermeddle with this. Ten chapters. I'm not saying you have to read ten chapters a day. I didn't make that vow, Brother Burke. But God said, me make some vows. And some of you are thinking already, well, that just sounds so legalistic and so, so restraining. Let me tell you, it's so freeing. Amen. Because I can just say, hey, brother, I love you and everything, but I made a vow to God. I've got to go spend time in the secret Amen. place. <laughs> Can't do anything about it. Praise the Lord. Thank God. we got to take all these big ideas about eternity and about forever and ever and about a life lived for Jesus and bring it down to the daily. Listen, some people call it the daily grind. Sometimes that's what it's like. Now, Jesus said that you got to pray every day. You ever hear these people, they say, well, where in the Bible does it say I have to pray every day? Well, what kind of attitude is that anyway? Where in the Bible does it say I have to breathe every day? Show me a chapter and verse. i got to breathe every day. Show me, brother love. Show me. Come on, show me. You're not showing me. It's called scoffers, right? Jesus said you have to pray every day. Well, where did Jesus say that? He said to pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Pray daily. The Bible teaches us Jesus said you have to deny yourself every day, daily. Well, I want to live my life in such a way that it's a life of, get it, a life of self-denial. But Brother McCandless, Jesus said it's a daily self-denial because a life is made up of days. Daily self-denial. Daily take up the cross. Daily follow me. The church of Jerusalem had daily gladness and singleness of heart. Daily teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. Listen, this is what I'm talking about. The, the Lord's helping me, I think, get it out. I've got to get it out somehow. So we have this big, I want to reach the world for Jesus. Well, how about reach Bob? Where's Brother Geist? You raise your hand at me, Brother Geist, somewhere. There you are. How about Bob? What if Josh Howard's up there in, in, uh, in Washington 
and he's there at the church service. Oh God, I want to reach Oak Harbor for Jesus. Some guy named Bob comes in. Josh looks over and goes, wow, there's a first-time visitor. Oh God, I want to reach Oak Harbor for Jesus. I want to reach the, I want to shake the world. And the Holy Spirit starts prompting him, go talk to that guy. Oh, not now, because I'm talking about reaching the world. After church, he meets Bob, and then they start having that texting a few days later. Bob says, I want to get saved, and Josh says, can't do it because I'm busy praying about reaching the world. You see what I'm saying? We got to get down where we actually live, folks. We got to get it down into bite-sized pieces, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I want to read through the whole Bible a hundred times, you know. How about we start in Genesis 1-1, and let's read a little bit today, and let's read a little bit tomorrow, and a little bit the next day. I want to be a prayer warrior. How about we start praying? We pray every day. And stop trying to get some great degree or some great title or to be known as the ultimate prayer warrior, you know, something like that. Let's, let's, do, let's get it in the daily practice. In the daily, oh, the Bereans. Now, you know, you already know. I don't even need to say it because you just filled in the blank. They searched the Scriptures daily. Now you say, but the Bible doesn't say I have to search the scriptures daily. No, but it does say that God said they were more noble. Right. And the Bible does say if you're saved, you're a king. Is that right? And it seems like a king is noble. It seems like the noble thing to do is to search the scriptures every day. Let's do that. Oh, oh if I, I mean, I listened to that brother preach Yesterday, oh, if I only knew the Bible like that. He didn't know the Bible like that either. That's right. But he started reading the Bible and memorizing the Bible and meditating on the Bible and hiding it in his heart and working through the Bible and looking up words and, and staying in it and staying in it. And over time, guess what? He knows the Word of God. It's not because one day he woke up and just, oh, I'm going to learn the Bible. It's my lifetime goal. And so now, therefore, I have it because I name it and claim it. But he does it on a daily basis. Oh my, we could talk a little while about naming and claiming, couldn't we? You know, God had David break it down even further, though. So David said, I'm going I'm to daily keep my vows. Then he said in Psalm 55, evening and morning and at noon. It looks like David said, I need to do this every day. Oh, day's 24 hours. That's a pretty, pretty big time span. I need to break that down. Three, three periods. Then at some point he said, I believe seven would be even better. Seven times a day will I what? Praise thee. Seven times a day will I praise thee. Well, we talk about God's eternal purpose and God's eternal plan, and we say, the chief end of man. How many of you remember this? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Enjoy not everybody here went to a Protestant school, I see. <laughs> I went to a Protestant school, kindergarten through third grade. Then my dad, thank the Lord, became a Baptist. But we learned, and it's a good statement, the chief end of man, it's biblical, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We've got to get that down to, right now we ought to be glorifying God. When we sing the song, glorify God. When we preach the sermon, glorify God. When they pass the plate, Glorify God. Amen? Just drink it all in. Glorifying God. So let's get it from forever. Let's get the life. Let's get all this down to the situation right here. Uh, I read uh, when you were in, preacher, when you were in Exodus 15, you read this verse, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. 
And they're all out there singing, like you said. They're dancing and twirling and clapping, banging on tambourines and all that. Yeah. The Lord shall reign forever and ever, except not at Mara. Is that right? See, we can get all excited about forever and ever, but then we're at Mara, and it's like, well, what about the Lord reigning forever and ever? I wonder if any of those young ones thought, what's going on with Dad and Mom? They were up there shouting and dancing about the Lord being in charge, and, and now they're over here grumbling and murmuring. I wonder if any of our children ever say that. I mean, Dad and Mom are saying, I did as well with my soul in church, and then at home it wasn't so well with their souls. God's, God's big enough. God can, nothing, nothing ever will overthrow God. Except for this thing. Thine is the kingdom. Well then let's submit to his kingship in that matter he's been dealing with us about today. Amen. Thine is the power. That speaks of his authority. Well then let's submit to his authority in that matter that he's been dealing with us about the last week. Thine is the glory. Then let's eat and drink to the glory of God. That's where we really live. Well, I just want to be the spouse. I, I want to, you know, till death us do part. Isn't that great? Till death us do part, we're going to do all this. I think sometimes we think like, yeah, and I'm going to kill him real soon, so it's till death us do part. Tonight at the hotel, this is going to shock you because you wouldn't even think such a, you know, such a saintly person would even need to do this, but I needed to clip my fingernails. You can't even believe that, can you? And I said to Dana, I said, I said, dearest, forsooth, if thou wouldest, because I only speak in Elizabethan English. <laughs> I, said, I said, hey, Dana, could you hand me the fingernail clippers? And she handed me the fingernail clippers. Sweetly. She didn't throw them at me. She didn't try to gouge me with them. And I'm not kidding when I thought, praise God. Because here's a lady that says, I will love, I will honor, I'll obey. And I can say, that's all great, that's all big and big platitudes and big statements and all, but would you hand me the fingernail clippers? And she immediately, cheerfully handed me the fingernail clippers. That's real life. That's real life, isn't it? And then a few minutes later, she said, honey, would you bring the van right around out to the outside of the door, which of course I should have thought of that myself, but anyway. And I didn't say... Come on, you know, I got to preach tonight. I got to think, and I, you, you're going to be running all around out here. And, you know, I stood in front of a preacher and said, I'll love, honor, and cherish till death us do part. Then bringing the van around shouldn't be a big deal. That's, but that's real life. That's real life. Oh, Lord, big, big dreams and big plans. I want to live my life for Jesus. Let's live for Jesus tonight. I want to glorify him forever and ever. Let's glorify him right now. Today and the next day and the next today and the next today and the next today. Oh, I want to love and honor my parents. I want that to be my testimony. Then when they say, be in the car at a certain time, be in the car at a certain time. That's a big deal. Isn't that right? Oh, I love you, Dad and Mom. Happy Father's Day. Happy Mother's Day, I would do anything for you. Well, then I need you to go clean your room. Well, I was thinking about some other type of anything. <laughs> yeah. And we laugh, but I want to encourage you young people. It's really the little things that build the character. It really is. 
let's get the forever, let's get it down into the bite-sized pieces. Uh, I, I've got to close. Doesn't the Bible say something about um, Jesus coming and in, in a certain amount of time, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, there's going to be a transportation and there's going to be a translation. It's going to be in a moment. You know what that makes me think? It's all coming down to a moment. It makes me think we ought to break this daily thing down into a moment thing, brother. Moment by moment. Like, let's get this eternity. Let's get this big picture. Let's get this life. Let's get this want to hear well done, good and faithful servant down to a moment. Moment by moment. He cares for me moment by moment. He cares for you moment by moment, doesn't he? Shouldn't we care about his will moment by moment? Shouldn't we do whatever he wants us to do with this moment even now? What's God want us to do? Is there somebody named Bob? Maybe not named Bob, but someone just like Bob. And the Holy Spirit's been working on you. You need to talk to them. And you're hiding behind, I have a burden for the world. Meanwhile, your neighbor, your friend, your grandma, your cousin is on the way to hell and you're not doing anything about it. You're fired up about getting the Bible to the whole world, but you're not even hiding it in your own heart. You're thinking about if I had a million dollars, what I would give to missions, but you're not willing to give the ten dollars that you do have to missions. Amen. You're thinking about how I wish we'd just have unity in the church. I mean the local New Testament church, the only type of church there is. But I wish we'd have unity in our church, but you're refusing to deal with that one person you need to deal with. What's God want us to do in this moment? Let's be excited about forever. Let's say we're going to praise God forever. God's all for that. Unto Him be glory in the church forever. Amen. But unto Him be glory in the church right now. Let's obey God right now, and let's keep obeying God in all the right nows that we're in so that I'll daily perform my vows. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless your word that's been preached. We're thankful that you helped. You gave grace. I pray you'll accomplish everything you want to accomplish with it. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.